You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start thinking about getting our trail cameras out and start capturing pictures of this velvet antler growth that we all obsess about. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cam companies in the industry. Now until July 12th, when you purchase any camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information. Guys, welcome to another Land of Legacy Habitat Heroes podcast. Adam here. Matt's here. And we've got a, another great podcast lined out for you uh, on a very hot topic. Hot. Uh, smoking hot. And it seems like, doggone it, it just won't go away. <laughs> seems like we need to revisit it, guys. <laughs> Honestly. Um, <laughs> as many uh, topics and discussions that we've seen in the last uh, the last month or two, it seems like this, this practice, this method, this... Uh, almost belief system for some people keeps coming back up um should we say cult and, and we're just is it a we cult? just keep trying to push it back down um and that topic one of a big part of this of this podcast is the use of hinge cutting man i i don't i don't want to um there's practices out there that have their place and there's practices out there that that don't or have just a different option that will accomplish that and more, and I don't understand why you would you would do a job, let's say, halfway, and, and get half the results when you could do it differently and get more, bigger, better, longer-term success in that area to accomplish that goal that a hinge cut could. Yeah. And, and so, again, it this is, and we don't, pick on people we don't single people out this is not you know directed at anybody this is just to provide factual information about natural resources and natural resource management to accomplish goals that are going to provide a truthfully a legacy for your property and i think that's that's the the difference of let's make the comparison obviously everyone read the titles hinge cutting versus clear cutting and the difference is a side-by-side comparison, but one is going to improve the land long-term. One is going to provide um, difficulty long-term and provide short-term success or, you know, a potential for short-term success. Yeah. Uh, it, it, one is used by professionals, and the other one is used by hobbyists. To me, it's like... I wouldn't go down to the mechanic shop and, and say, and, and "Hey, that, dudes, that was that was that was not a that was not a." I guess that, you, when you say professionals, as in like foresters, foresters, loggers, that sort of thing. People that are trying to maximize the profit and productiveness of their landscape to where it creates a continuing return of investment, continuing return of profits, um, to where when they go in and they do remove some of the profits by harvesting. They're setting it up to where they can get back to a harvest as quickly as possible, um, and and so you see that from foresters, professional timber um, marketers, and 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 people in that industry who are working day in day out, with day that. in day out. Sorry, I I don't know I heard, what that sound was behind us. It wasn't me. <laughs> if y'all heard it, um, but there is definitely a. Um, a use for clear cutting and it's a very popular use. And although people do not enjoy it um, and a lot of people outside of that industry think it's a bad thing, 
Um, there is a reason why it's used. Um, creates phenomenal habitat, um, and it is one of the quickest ways to get um, your timber going back in a in a productive system. For example, if you're doing pine plantations down southeast, typically you'll see pines planted, then you'll see a pine thinning, then you'll see another pine harvest where it's also kind of a thinning to where um, over the time you'll see those pines get taller and taller, obviously, as they're growing. Um, But then as the crowns fill up and there's not much sunlight, you'll see a thinning, um, and it could be a fifth row thinning, for example. Um, And then at the end of it, then you'll see where they harvest what pines are remaining and then it turns in and that's when it turns into a clear cut to where you'll see where you think oh my gosh they kill everything but if you notice and you watch how nature restores itself it's one of those amazing things to where wildlife really do benefit from it and, and truthfully the trees aspect benefit a lot too i mean there's a lot to say about um the cold hard facts of hardwood regeneration from after post clear cut yes and some some areas you know you go into it maybe it is from poor habit or poor practices done by previous landowners you know in the past and you just need to start back at ground zero you just need to say gosh the direction this timber and this stand is going um isn't going to get me anywhere it's poor quality maybe it's disease you know whatever it is i just need to restart and that's okay. There's that's been a, proc- s- a several, practice. Several people we've talked to in our kind of Midwestern region that say, um, if your if your timber is not very productive and it's in a very bad state, probably the quickest way to get it back is to completely cut it down. Yeah. And uh, to move forward, you got to sometimes you got to start back. Yeah, and it's like spring cleaning. It always yeah. gets dirtier before it gets better. Yeah. Before it gets cleaner. So it is a common practice in the timber world. And so by me saying professionals, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not talking about habitat uh, professionals. And even us, we're not timber professionals. No. Even though we do give some consulting um, for timber, but it's usually a, uh, this is the direction you need to go, but you need to talk to a forester in your area that's going to know the market um, if it's out of our area. Um, And sometimes we may assist them in finding that guy. Um, but they also, or we may assist them once they find the guy, talk to them, make sure we get all get on the same page. Um, but we certainly don't go into it saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to grow you a hundred thousand dollars worth of timber. Let's get out these chainsaws and go make some hinge guts. Yeah. That's (laughs) never, that's never happened before. (laughs) He'll never. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the fact of it. Okay. Let, let's look at these these two practices and just get down to the basics, the foundation of them and say equal identical areas and, and, you know, side by side comparison. Um, One acre, we do a hinge cut, complete hinge cut of that area. And then next to it, you do a complete clear cut of that area. And, uh, you know, it, it pains me, but I've certainly seen it, certainly heard the horror stories. Um, But of people going into areas that, that does have marketable timber and those are portions based on based on the area the use of the wildlife maybe it's the terrain features whatever and and uh excuse me hinge cutting is done in there and so let's just say half the acre you could have pulled some logs out so now we've got two acres identical side by side let's go through what's going to happen over the next couple years how wildlife going to use it the plant response um short term and long term and, and Basically, I just, I want the podcast itself and the information to speak for what are you, what are your goals with that area? What are your long-term, short-term things that you want that area to achieve? Are you in it for the long haul or are you in it for a quick fix, you know, mentality? And I think that says a lot about, you know, the way you, you manage a property. Yeah. And, and you know, where, where are you at in, in that level with this property? How, how do you want to manage it? Um, but I think at the end of it, when, when all the pros and cons of each, each and every one, we're going to be fair with all the information, but be truthful and factual with it at the same time. I think it, obviously there's a, there's a clear, clear winner here. Oh, for sure. And it would probably be good to have a, in the next coming weeks or months to have a registered forester who, who does boots on the ground work in timber and, and kind of explain their use of all the different types of practices, not just clear cutting, 
um, and ask him where hinge cutting fits in on that. <laughs> yeah. Why? I mean, here here's a here's a practice, and, and I understand. Okay, you know, I guess a practical back practical question: Why don't loggers, if it's good for things, why don't loggers and foresters use that? prescribe hinge cutting. And I understand, yes, you're doing it for, for wildlife, but at the yeah. same time, why don't we see it in, in any portion, any degree from north to south in, in a practice? For sure. I, I don't, I mean, it kind of begs the question of, oh, maybe, that, maybe that's a good question to ask. Why, wh- why aren't we seeing this in the professional side of things? Right. Now, here's, here's the, let's play devil's advocate here and say, okay, I don't own my property to, I'm not looking to make money off of my timber or my timber is not ever going to make money. I'm just trying to create habitat for wildlife. Okay, let's address that. If you're wanting to create habitat for wildlife and you're saying that hinge cutting is the best thing, why are we still seeing videos or seeing people share pictures of hinge cutting trees that although aren't marketable now will be in 20 years or 10 years? Well, it pains me to see really nice young oaks hinge cut. Um, and here's one of the biggest things, and I'm going to address this right now because I just uh, I was in Michigan yesterday. Really bad oak wilt up there right now, Matt, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of trees are looking really, really, out. really bad. Yeah. Um, which doesn't get me too concerned, um, but it does when I see people with the chainsaws talking about going out and doing hinge cutting. Yeah. Basically, you're trying to you, when you go out and hinge cut this time of year, especially if you have oak wilt in the area, you're basically opening it up a wound in a tree to say, "Here, let's come, bring come some here. come here and and yeah. and bring in, infect this tree, please infect this tree." <laughs> which you may say, "I'm I'm cutting this oak because it's it's pitiful, but I'm trying to help these these oaks that look healthy around me." You're basically bringing the the disease right there amongst mm-hmm. them. Um, and so it's a huge problem to be doing hinge cutting, which is basically wounding a tree and still wanting it to survive. Um, and so um, you're definitely, if you're doing that in the spring, um, you can you're begging defin- for issues. And, you're and, and you're and just trouble. inviting trouble into your house. And, and uh, that's the thing where I think again it goes back to that you know professional side of things where you know uh, mm. the, a logger or forester knows that that can happen yeah. and why it's not prescribed. Yes to do that because you're you're inviting that that disease right there into your into your neighborhood your doorstep um and and you wouldn't want that because again the the purpose right or wrong the purpose of a hinge cut would be to keep that tree alive and 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 if that's happening we have to be you know observe things we have to be watching why why would i increase the risk of it dying just create a hinge cut with it yes and so another thing about hinge cutting and in that whole well it's the best practice for wildlife we've seen personally Matt and I both on multiple properties in multiple states the biggest issue with hinge cutting 100% of the trees or over 75% of the trees it can create some barriers and very much so um especially if you're cutting it you know in that waist high to chest high or chin high um uh, and you're cutting bigger trees you can very quickly create barriers that deer don't want any part of. Well, you know, let, again, let's go back to that that acre. You know, we got equal acres. If you hinge cut everything in that acre, and and I, you know, we watch and listen and hear and and you know see things on social media. A lot of the activity that happens in and around hinge cuts is around them on the outside. Yeah. So 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 you took let's say let let's say you have five acres and you want to improve it. Why would you isolate one whole acre and then force the deer because of it being a tough to navigate just around the edges of that one acre now? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Where, where in comparison, if you were to do a clear cut and, and remove, let's say there is that, that markable timber, remove some of that let's, debris, now deer have access to the entire acre. It goes back to what Kyle and Frank have been saying, usable space. Yes. I'm not going to I'm not going to let's say air quote increase the quality of an area by adding some sunlight from hinge cutting just so they can use the outside edges of it. I'm going to clear cut it or do a, a very aggressive harvest. You know when we say clear cut, 
most clear cuts honestly aren't 100% clear. Yeah. There's you know, 10% of the tree still standing. Regardless. And, and and in our betting thickets and our in our temporary forest openings that we're laying out betting areas, if in the clear cut world, a lot of those trees that get left are very uh, they weren't providing any value or hollow um, or hollow or whatever the case was. They left them because there was no financial <laughs> value. Sure. In what we're laying out for an acre or two acre clear cuts for bedding areas, we're going to cut those trees down because we want as much sunlight as possible coming into that area. Some of the trees we may leave are the nicer oaks that were like, ooh, that one's going to produce some some uh, some hard mass to where um, during the fall we've got food in this area as well. Um, that's kind of a little bit of the difference between the two when you look at the professional side um, of timber harvesting, trying to maximize profits versus what we're trying to do and create wildlife habitat. Um, but but the end result is roughly the exact same amount exactly. of canopy standing. It's just yep. a different a different oh, leaf tree, basically. Yes. So uh, go ahead. But I guess you know again it goes back to the usable space. I want to make that acre as beneficial and productive as possible. So I'm going to open it up and allow deer. Other in other game species, we're talking quail, we're talking rabbits, we're talking grouse. turkey, grouse, everything can utilize that. I yep. mean, why why would a turkey go and try and nest in a one acre hinge cut? I'm not saying that they don't, because there's people listening right now who said I I can count on it. It's gonna happen. Well, how's the quality of your, your timber outside of that hinge cut? Yep. That's my first question. Second question is what happens when uh, a predator or something comes in there, the the joker can't fly. Yeah, It can't get up and fly out of there. It's like, what's that game? I think it's called Pick Up Sticks. Yeah. Isn't that what it was called? Yeah. Where yeah. you like you dumped out all the sticks? Drop, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it basically, you do that with hinge cutting. Um, and, and so, let's flip it and say, okay, you go in and you cut all these trees. Like, there is no marketable timber in this one acre area that I want to turn into a bedding area. And I want to get as much sunlight as possible. So I'm cutting all these trees. Let's say there's a lot of stems per acre. So there's going to be a lot of trees, a lot of canopies, a lot of trunks on the ground or being dropped. Why is a hinge cut going to create more of a barrier than cutting a tree, flush cutting a tree? Basically, it comes down to the simple part of the trunk is most likely going to be laying flat against the ground that a deer can easily step over. Yep. Um because will, these are smaller trees. If they are big trees, most likely you're going to find a a, a way to get to them. get them out of there. But and, and, and if, even if it's not a big enough area to to get them out of there, cut it for firewood, whatever. Yeah. But like you know, there's ways to minimize the that debris and, and still achieve usable space within an area. Basically, it comes down to what we're creating with a clear cut. And by cutting most of these trees completely through or girdling some of them and leaving them standing, whatever the case is, we're killing all these trees. Girdling and applying herbicide. Yes. We now allow deer to navigate and bed anywhere within this one acre. If we hinge cut, on average, if we hinge cut everything, they're not going to use every, or even be able to use every square foot because it's too thick. And even if they could navigate through it, you may think, my goodness, that 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 they can still get through there. A deer is not most likely going to do it because it's like, I'm going to go into this corn maze where a predator <laughs> yeah. could be hiding, and I can't get out very effectively. Yeah. What, what's, what's the exit It's a strategy? bottleneck that's too tight. And, and, and I, I think that there's people out there, um, again, and I don't, I don't know this, and so if, if there is someone who, who – I guess preaches this very religiously. This is not like I guess an attack on them individually, but you know I I think within hinge cutting, some people are doing like corridors or avenues or um, maybe escape routes or something in and out of them. Um, but that that's for deer, and that that's a single species. It goes back to our podcast monoculture mindset. Yeah. Um, we did that. I don't know. Gosh, that was probably a year ago. But it's, you know, you're managing just for this one species. Okay, so you, you, you now have, a, a let's say, one escape route, one in-and-out route um, for that deer to get, a, to get out of that hinge-cut area. Well, that, that's a place easy for um, a predator of some sort to attack. I mean, that, that's, that's a bottleneck for them to be able to easily be 
on edge, um, be basically get taken advantage of. Yeah. And so the clear cut is is free game usable space for them to be able to do whatever they want and a, be a, a lot more applicable to a lot of different game species and non-game species as well. Basically, I think when you have a hinge cut area, an acre, all you've done is just take that canopy from 50 foot tall down to five to six foot tall. Yeah, with you hinge just, cutting. You just lowered it. Yep. But five to six foot tall... Is still taller than a deer. Yeah. So it's like, so now, but but again, it, the the purpose of it is to keep those trees a- alive. And and you've stressed them, you've wounded them, but, you know, you want them alive because that produces some forage, right? But if you've just lowered the canopy, you're still not getting the sunlight aspect all the way to the forest floor. There would be some gaps, of course, but it's still like I'm I'm only halfway there in comparison to a clear cut. Here's a research project. Plant communities and the amount of plant diversity within the understory of a clear cut area versus a chest high hinge cut area monoculture. Guarantee clear cut wins every single day of the week. For sure. I mean, you're going to see more depending on the area, but let's just list out some of the common species you would see. Would be pokeberry would be a yep. big one. Blackberries. Right the gate. Black raspberries. Um, you're going to see, you could see giant ragweed or common yep. ragweed. You could see. Beggar slice. A beggar slice, yep. Um, prickly lettuce. Yep. You could see. Um, oh, gosh. You said blackberry, didn't you? You may see. Greenbrier. Greenbrier. You may see a lot of greenbrier. Um, but if you just do chest high hinge cuts, you're going to see. You may see a little bit of flush uh, of some of those species, but nothing compared to a clear cut. And it's because be very, very temporary. Your next, yes, very temporary. Your next bout of the the flush you're going to get is from the trunks and the and the and where you wounded the tree, where you cut the tree. You're going to get stump sprouts there, uh, but you're not going to get that flush on the forest floor. No. And most hinge cuts don't survive forever. They, you know, three some years. I feel like th- is is roughly the same. The the if you will lifespan after that wound happens. Yeah, and you may get some go over five, but sure. most time I don't know if I've ever seen one go over ten. Um, and so you're definitely, you, it's a it's a it's a crutch. It's like a, you think you're getting this huge flush, but really, long term, you're you're still, you're still in trouble. You're still not getting that that amount of regen that you. You're, you you're could at half have. The, you're at half the production. Yeah. And at half the usage, though, too, from, from the wildlife aspect of it all. So again, compare how deer are going to utilize it. Compare how turkeys are going to utilize these two areas. And, and the fact that, okay, now that I've simply lowered that canopy down, I'm not getting that species diverse diversity and the richness. And, and so I haven't, I haven't allowed that area in the additional portion of the sunlight really to help increase forage necessary fr- from a, a diversity standpoint. Now, if you go that clear cut, you can have deer some, I mean, that's going to be the first thing to green up and, yep. and, you know, from a native forage aspect, um, cause receiving the most sunlight is going to warm up the soil the fastest, um, be way ahead of food plots. And you're basically waiting from a, for a hitch cut standpoint is for the trees to bloom and, and bud out and yep. leaf out, um, from the forage aspect. Yes, there will be some browse, at more of a ground level, but you're gonna have the exact same thing in the clear cut. So it doesn't. That's not a. That's not a, an advantage, if you will. Um, they'll, they'll say they're equal terms on that. Um, but then, truthfully, from a clear cut standpoint, you have buds and sprouts and everything for a longer period of time because that root system is much more difficult to. Uh, you're not gonna kill it out. They're yeah. going to stump sprout and they're gonna be accessible height wise. From a longer period of time. Average clear cut. And canopies out most parts of the country, seven to ten years. Yep. But that's not all we're doing. You know, that if we, you we, send a fire through, you can right. get a little bit longer because we you can knock, that. knock those stump sprouts back to, to be within a foot or two of ground level. How, how well does a fire do in a one-acre hinge cut area? <laughs> it really <laughs> it doesn't really do anything no it, it's, it's very really difficult, difficult um, for fire to move through that and w- i guess when we say hinge cut because there's a huge difference in some of the hinge cuts that we do 
versus what I've seen done. Sure, sure. Now, the hinge cuts we do, before you say, what? I didn't think you guys did. We do hinge cuts about 30% of the time in our bedding area openings. Um, And it all depends on the species. that's a max. Yes. Like, any more than that, we should slap ourselves. It's it's like a two-inch dogwood. Yeah. Or, 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 or a five-inch dog, or or, or a, a young hickory sapling, or something like yeah. that. That's it. Yeah. Not, or an not, or an elm, a yeah. younger elm. But it's it's not to the degree of that's the only type of cut I'm going to do because I think that it's superior than clear cutting. Yeah. It 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 has its place, but it's not a placeholder, if you will. Like, it's not the only way or it's not the best way. It is a type of cut you could do and should use it sparingly for a distinct purpose. But that shouldn't be a mindset of, I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to do hinge cuts because that's the best method for success a year from now, 10 years from now, or 20 years from now. We know by forestry practices and knowing wildlife and usage that that's not true. That's not the case. There's better ways to go about it. For sure. But I, I guess I don't understand, like, how did that traction take hold? Like, why why did it have its place in, in the wildlife aspect of things? Why, why did it get so publicized and, and, and praised? Hinge how did we get here? Yeah. I think fad. Um, definitely... In in a in an industry of, and I'm talking about the hunting industry, it's very trendy. There's things that come around to where we all jump on board. Right now, it's uh, hinge cutting, and when it comes to land management, hinge cutting is one of the most popular. Um, in the hunting side of it, saddle hunting is one of the most popular. But saddle hunting was popular in the 80s, late oh, 80s, yeah. and early 90s. Like yeah. it's nothing new. Um, it's just something that's cycled back around. Hinge cutting is new. Um, I think probably because it's kind of this new way of creating instant results. Um, and instant gratification is something that this society uh, f- really falls for. And hinge cutting is one of those things where, you know, you go out and you cut a couple of trees in a, during a certain time of the year and you go back a few days later and you're like, wow, deer are already browsing on this. Wow, deer are already using this. I think it kind of comes down, there's a lot of things that may mean that um, and, and has is responsible for seeing those instant results. And a lot of it could probably be bad habitat. If you look mm-hmm. at a lot of woodlots across the country, uh, I mean, my gosh, how many times have we said this? A lot of timber is closed canopy forest anymore. And so if you go out and you pick a, a quarter acre area and you do hinge cut, even though it's not the greatest practice in the world, you still have created better habitat than closed canopy forest. So a deer automatically using it, and it's like, oh, this is the best thing ever. I think that is honestly the, the root of it, is that most of the areas that hinge cutting has been done in, um, it is it is a quick fix. It's, it's relatively easy to do. It is dangerous, but so is flush cutting trees. Any type you have a chainsaw in your hand, there's there's a, a level of, of danger in there. Um, but when you have cruddy habitat and you improve it a little bit, well, sure, you're going to see a response because that's just what wildlife are going to do. But but why see just a response? Why not see a great response? And that's where we're coming at from let's really sit down and compare hinge cutting one acre versus clear cutting one acre. Um, you know, why, why do the job halfway and get half results when you could do it all the way? And do it properly. And do it with the legacy in mind. That's why we, we named the Stinky Company Land and Legacy. Because this isn't this isn't for um, you know tomorrow's benefit or next season's benefit. The reason that we're, we spend time and money and resources. We're working a property. The same thing for you. You know, you're not doing it just for the next season. It, you know, pick something. Don't, I guess, get away from the mentality of short-term goals and quick fixes and realize that there's better practices out there to achieve long-term success that isn't going to damage the longevity of the timber because how many loggers have we worked with that said 
I won't go in to areas that have been hinge cut. Like I just can't get my equipment in there. It does, it's tear not too safe. many tires up or tear yeah. too many pieces Especially of equipment. Especially if they're higher than your than your waist. Yeah. I mean that's just that's you they cannot operate and will deny going in there. And what I mean, what happens if you sell the property, and, and then you know the there is some marketable timber, and you're like, oh yes, yeah, you know, you list it and sell it as marketable timber. A guy goes in there like, oh, he can't even get it out of here. You can't yeah. get it out safely. Like you've got to be able to think long term, and and the because the the practices that we do, yeah, hinge cutting is going to last a long term, but but the results of it or the value of it is is going to be short term. Yeah. It's going to affect things long term, but the what you're going to get out of it is short term versus clear cutting you're going to get long-term success and it's just a it's just a better practice yes for sure uh hinge cutting is one of those things that to me it's a it's a tool and it's a tool in your tool bag and it should be I almost made a stupid dad joke there. It's my first Father's Day. Today we're actually recording Father's Day night. Um, and I was going to say it's a tool in a tool bag. But if you're a person that does an entire area in, t- uh, in hinge cutting, then you are a tool bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a tool in a tool bag. It's definitely something that can be used. Uh, if you're focused on deer, you can use it uh, and see some really cool results and do some cool stuff. You can steer some deer if you're doing it with edge feathering. You can create a and manipulate the landscape to where deer come by your stand more. Sure, that's all great. But it's not, you would never look in any other profession and see a person, whatever they're doing in that profession, use one tool to be successful all the way around. And I think a lot of times with hinge cutting, we rely on one tool hinge cutting to be the fix-all, the silver bullet, the thing that makes everything better. And that is one of the biggest problems because it's not a tool that you will see in a professional forester's tool bag. Correct. And that's, that's where we're coming from going, we're not looking at it from a instant gratification. We're looking at a lot of what we do, a lot of the research that we do in our um, in our mindset, what really builds the the puts the boards and the mortar and and the bricks on the building for us is research and scientifically backed evidence or historical evidence that creates the beliefs and what we share with you guys. And so when we look at managing timber, we don't look at the fads. We look at what the people who are doing it professionally to maximize timber management um, and timber productiveness, and those are foresters. And they're not using hinge cutting. They're using clear cuts, thinning, all kinds of different things. But hinge cutting is not in that tool bag. That's right. That's right. And it it does boil down... we could probably continue talking about all of this for, for much longer, but those are the cold hard facts of hinge cutting versus clear cutting. Um, and I, I don't, I just, I, I can't get past the, the thought of going in and, and saying, you know, let, let's say you're, let's say you're a contractor out there and you do some habitat work on the side. If someone comes to you and says, Hey, I've got a project for you. Can you come do it? And you show up and it's five acres of hinge cutting in a single area. I guess my question is, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? Are you going to take the job or are you going to try and educate them and say, okay, well, what are your goals here? What are the, what are you trying to achieve? Is there a different strategy that we can do or utilize here? Because I think down the road, you may you may want to look at this. You may want to better consider the timber value. I think I think it just comes down to what's I don't want to say where's your heart at, but like where's where's your level of okay, here here's my belief of, of I don't know, ethics and, and, and moral of doing the right job versus the wrong job. You know, if you know a better way to go and achieve the same results 
that's going to be a better uh, practice for the land itself. Let's let's take the wildlife out of it. Let's just look straight at the land, the value of the land. I don't say from a monetary standpoint, but just like health of ecosystem, everything. Which one? Which one is 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 far superior? Which one is going to support more diversity? Which one is going to um, increase plant diversity? I, I think there's a clear winner here, too. Oh, and, for and it's sure. it's not hinge it's, cutting. So it's like... As I wrote in, in a lot of the plans, we, we've I've kind of added, as, as we've written more and more reports, um, I've started adding a, a paragraph at the beginning of our... of uh, the beginning of, of the report that says kind of our principles. And, and I think one of the lines in there says that we're managing for the health of the land. We're managing for the overall health of the land, not the benefit of a species. Um, and it, and that's where hinge cutting to me is really a practice that's for the benefit of, of one species, correct? not the health of the land. And that's where I'm going to draw the line in the sand and say, this is where I'm not stepping any further because we will use this as a way to manipulate and do some cool things, but on a very small scale. And it's not something, if we went in to create a whole bedding area and Matt, my brother and myself, fired up the chainsaws and we went in there and cut for an hour. I guess it wouldn't even be an hour. I guess <laughs> for yeah. us, we usually knock out an acre pretty quickly, but we cut for an hour and we stepped back and said, Hey, did you do any hinge cuts? No, I didn't. Did you? Well, I guess I, I forgot. I, I didn't really see any good trees to hinge cut. Oh, you didn't do any either. We would step away going, who cares? It's, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. It, it it it's not like the area would be would have been better if we yeah. had. Hey, could do you think we could plant some willows? So they're going to be fast growing, and we could hinge them in two years. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, it would just oh. be like, oh well, that that's cool. We made it the whole time. We didn't do a single hinge cut. Um, it wouldn't bother us at all. But if we went in and and cut did the exact opposite, and um. We cut for an hour, and it was like, hey, did you, uh, boy, there was a whole lot of trees to hinge cut. Well, how many did you hinge cut? Well, shoot, I almost hinge cut all of them. Well, so did I. We would head back in there to cut some of those down because we wouldn't want a complete area of hinge cuts. I would say, let's, hmm. okay, let, let's say we have, oh, here's a great example. We, we, we're at an area this year and it was just chock full of hickories about the size of your arm thigh at most and a it lot might of, even be the picture for this podcast yeah. and, and it might have been someone gone in there and been like gosh because those you can steer directionally you can fell those things wherever you want to you can put them you they can were lay baseball them. bats yeah you were just like you know what i could have hinged the tar out of those things right super easily i think i did like three yeah total and it's like why what what's the point well just cut all the way through the thing what what's the goal here i mean you, if we had a hinge cut that that would have been like that would have been the definition of an area that only rabbits a rabbits would have used because they could run underneath yeah but that deer was no way getting through it no not at all not at all and and that goes you know someone may say right there well that's why i do my hinge cuts at, at chest level well what the heck are you trying to protect the deer from from above Pterodactyls. The sun? Yep. Sunburn. No, yep. there's nothing there that, that's going to, to be Those trees weren't big enough fear. to provide shade, by the way, if that is is an uh, a thing that you're saying, well, they need some shade to bed in. That was the south-facing slope anyway. If they're looking for shade, they they need to go somewhere else. <laughs> they weren't going to be there in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no. And so, you know, it's just one of those overused practices that's only a short-term short-term gain um, that should be stopped we should we should definitely check ourselves do the old go back to the baseball days this is a cup check here (laughs) we're giving you a cup check hinge cuts should not be used uh for a lot of your bedding areas um solely used I, i think i think we need to we need to be very clear on that that should not be the only type of of uh 
way to cutting, create a betting area. Yeah, it's, it kind of goes back to like the, the whole cedar thing now. Everyone's like, oh, you guys don't like eastern red cedar. It's not that an eastern red cedar by itself is a bad, bad thing. It's the fact that it happens if you only have eastern red cedar in a given area. And if you only do hinge cutting in a single area, it's going to be bad. Yeah. If you utilize it a little bit, okay, fine. Not a big, big deal. But if you're if you're on the side of the fence where it's like, I only use hinge cuts, that's all I'm going to prescribe, that's all I'm going to do, you're wrong. I'm trying to think <laughs> of some of the species that we've raved about. American Beautyberry, we've raved about. Yep. Uh, American Plum, we've raved about. Little Blue Sten, we've raved about. Um, Any type of viburnum, gray dogwood, um, all that stuff. We've <laughs> raved about. But I wouldn't go out and plant a full, as much as I love American Beautyberry, I wouldn't go out and plant a whole acre in straight American Beautyberry. No. it's a, it could Because here's the thing. With, with that plant, I mean, it's an understory plant. It, it, it's, it occupies itself in like a woodland-ish type setting, semi-shade in a forest. That means there's other things around it. Yep. Same thing with a plum. Yeah, there might be a plum thicket, but it's surrounded by... Little blue stem, big blue stem, Indian grass, switchgrass, and tons of forbs. Like it's yeah. not the only thing in a given area, and it may not be. It, it, and I may mix it in and say there's going to be Chickasaw plum and American plum, or or Mexican plums, or different types. Um, or I may throw in service berry. There's all kinds of diversity, and and really it comes down to the key is always diversity. My gosh, how many times have we said that word? Not enough, obviously, because we're still talking about it. And and we'll get there. Here we are talking about hinge cutting, and and when we use it, and then the long list of when we don't use it. Yep. And, and I think that obviously we're gonna get some slack, we're gonna get some uh, feedback here on this. But you know what? That's okay because it's another opportunity to to try and educate on great wise management of the natural resource and that's the other thing that boils down to is those trees whether they have value right now at this time or not it's a natural it's a part of a it's part of the ecosystem and it is a it is a resource and if you're just wounding the resource how much good can there be come from it not very much not very much let's share a story about I know we've got some more notes, but let's share a little bit of an update of the area that we thinned out two years ago aggressively with timber harvest. Yep. Um, it's it's 80 acres, part of the Prairie Hall property, but it but it's on the gravel road side, so it touches directly with my family farm. And it was an area that on web soil survey, so go back a couple podcasts where you, we walked you through that uh, process and using that, that system. We looked up this area. It registers as upland woodland, so we know we need more open. Um, we need more sunlight. We need to thin the trees because before it was closed canopy. So we went in, harvested a large, really cut it aggressively, and picked through, got some money out of it. Um, but then we went back, and we did some hack and squirt. We killed some trees. Chad did a lot of wintertime work in these areas, doing timber Just stand improvement. Cut, um, cut, cut. He was kind of doing some more. He cut a couple areas and made it thinned it so much that um, it was more of a savanna. And I almost am with the you amount air, of air quoted. use of savanna out there right now and the trend that's starting with that, which is great, uh, even though it's misused. Um, and then kind of woodlands type setting. And so it went from leaf sticks, a little bit of coral berry uh, or buck brush, a um, couple other things underneath that closed canopy forest growing to now Chad sent us some pictures from this weekend when he went by it. And there's patches of like straight yellow. Um, that's all black eyed Susan. Susan. We've got purple milkweed. There's all kinds of different other species. Um, there's uh, gamma grass. There's yeah, little he said, blue stem. He said, some big blue stem pockets. He said there's a large oak that was left. It was a yeah. forked oak. Yeah. He said there's scattered big blue and little blue underneath that tree, which is like, oh my gosh. That's exciting. We're two Very years. Exciting. We we went from, in two years, we went from 
a productiveness of 50 to 100 pounds of dry forage available for um, an acre to now we're somewhere, my gosh. I would say easy 1,500 plus. Yes, it, it's green. And, it's green uh, as a gourd. There's beggar's fl- lice everywhere. We've the, seen be, a couple of our, our native honeysuckles yep. growing there. Yep. Um, we've so had pairs wild. of summer tanagers stay in there for multiple weeks. Um, we and haven't confirmed nesting out of them. But I, to back that up, I haven't seen female summer tanagers in this part of the world on so my family farm or or in, on the Prairie Hollow property ever. I've never seen a female there. I've seen a bunch of males, but I've never seen a female. This year, I've seen three different females. We we wouldn't have gotten these results in this time if all we had done was go in and simply hinge cut everything that was cut because all we would have done is just lower that canopy down closer to the yeah closer close to the ground. We just had more growth out of dogwoods. Flowering dogwoods at four yeah. foot tall. Yeah, and, and so we we have dynamically changed this area for a long time. Provided way more tonnage, way more forage, way more security, way more diversity, way more by, nesting for yeah. quail and and turkeys. By changing, it's just simply changing the way you're doing something, a, a management technique, the way you cut a tree. And it has that big of a difference, and we're seeing it. We've got proof of it. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. So I guess the other thing is we we made that comparison uh, of uh, let's say like um, Iowa. Like if you really really do good work in Iowa, because right now it's like that's where you go to kill a big deer, right? Yeah. How much better can it be if you go in there and really truthfully? dress it up they're already killing over 200s right and the habitat's poor we don't want to put just you know lipstick on a pig and say oh it it looks better we could do xx and x and short-term fixes we're talking really go in how much better can it be and i guess my challenge to the people is if you're in poor timbered areas and you've only been doing hinge cutting how much better can it be how much better how much more results out of your timbered wooded areas can you have production-wise more attraction, more cover? How much better can it be if you simply just change your practice? Insanity. But you're never going to know until you do it, so I hope you go and do it. Yep. Give it a whirl. promise you, you won't be disappointed. We, mentioned, we did not mention one of the best parts in, in the pictures that he sent us, though. I need so to go find him. He sent us, Chad, give him credit. He was down there this weekend, and he was sending us pictures. Um, I was in Michigan, Matt was in Kansas, and one of the pictures is this purple milkweed, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is really cool, and he goes, did you close. not look? And down on one of the lower leaves is a beautiful monarch caterpillar, yep. and it's like, wow, that a lot of that milkweed was not growing a week uh, did he send that one too? No, I sent that the oh, other okay. the other week. It's it's a it's an area what we're talking about it is one that, that was, was one just of our flat clear cut temporary there was forest not a openings. Tree, yeah, not a tree worthwhile to leave. Um, everything was cut and it is green, 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 green. So it's just wild and incredible to see the changes. Um, and it's happening. That you know, you think about it. Oh, there's that a was ton two, of two our native cool seasons, the rye, Canada, Canada, Virginia wild rye. Bottle brush grass I saw, yeah. I've seen on the slopes. Lots of sedges. Yep. Um, so it's it's coming. Um, last year, I think it's important to note that last year there was a lot of mare's tail and um, fireweed yep. growing on it. And it was like, ew, I don't like either one of these, but those are annuals they, yep. and they follow disturbance. And so it was like, it, man. We knew that was going to happen. Yeah. That's to be expected. But this year, I'm not seeing I've much seen on it. Very, very little. And, you're, and we didn't do anything. You, We didn't spray. Of course not. We wouldn't have sprayed and, and, and utilized that um, to, to try and remove it because of, of being an annual. We knew with succession that this was going to occur. Those would be replaced. Other species would come back in. And that's the beauty of letting time and the interval of disturbances and sunlight really change that diversity in an area. It will happen if the seed bank hasn't been disturbed. 
disturbed. You could have gotten, let's say, potentially disappointed. I was highly encouraged last year when we saw what we did. But if you saw just those speeches, you'd be like, oh, man, darn, what what am I going to have? Give it a little bit of time, run some fire through there. And this this year, it's extremely eye-opening. So, I don't know. I, I, I hope all in all that comparison between the two brings some bring some light to the situation of guys, it can be better. I, I don't want to like, I don't want to be a Debbie downer on, on any body or any practice. Um, any, any people You're shining all. light and throwing shade all at the same time. <laughs> sure. We'll <laughs> go with that. But, but focus on the light. Look, look, look to how things can be improved. Um, you ask that you do that. And if you know people who, who need convincing, need this message to be shared with them, do it for the land. You know, do it for the fact that hey, if they're gonna go out there, let's do it right. Yeah. Let's let's do it with with the um, the long term in mind. Absolutely. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. I know it's a little bit shorter this week, but it is Father's Day, so we're trying to wrap up, knock out a couple of podcasts tonight, uh, enjoy time with our family. So, hopefully, you guys uh, continue to support us. Go check out our Land and Legacy shop. Um, so landlegacy.tv go to shop we've got some awesome hats keep an eye on it there's going to be some Ooh. new things coming this fall or Yippers. in the coming months um we still got those in the works and if you think our hats currently are cool way do you see the the things to come Smoking. Um, adding some more things to the shop soon um so it's definitely we're we're hopefully um It'll creating something you guys want to want to uh use um, also check us out on Facebook and YouTube and at Land Atlanta Legacy Wildlife Community too. Yep, our Facebook group Land Wildlife Land Wildlife and Conservation Community. Yep. Um, so you just go to our Land and Legacy page and click on groups and you'll find it. It's a great way to um, get post some pictures and things. Won't um, see no hinge cuts in there. And we, <laughs> if you do, they won't last long. Um, <laughs> And so it's a group that we created to really get some great sound. Um, we've got some great contributors to it. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of awesome stuff. And so you've seen some really cool stuff coming out of the guys on there. So um, anyway, guys, hopefully you enjoyed it, and we will catch you next week. See ya. <laughs>